All right, here we go. Here we are. Now I got some ads, a little intro. That's what we like to do. <laughs> That's right. Hit that button. It's going to actually play the intro. Magic. Ooh. All right, so today's show is brought to you by my boy Ian from Pixie Planners. Um, we've talked about it before, and I'm going to continue to talk about it, golly. Uh, <laughs> Ian's the man. Ian's yep. the man for all things Disney, Sandals, Universal, 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 okay? Like, I can't say Universal. Enough to, I probably could. I mean, I'd have to take a drink <laughs> or something if I started to get a little hoarse. But I would just keep saying Universal because that's his jam right now. Right. Um, There's some great deals going on, and he knows all of them. Right. He, <laughs> he is more magic than Harry Potter, which you'll get to experience at Universal Studios. <laughs> so tis the season, right? It's uh, We're right. into summer now. Yep. And so if you are chomping at the bit to get away, go see some sun, go see some magic. That's right. Ian's your boy. So hit yes. him up. Uh, go to TravisCrutcher.com slash Pixie Ian, and he will hook you up with your next vacation. Do all the work for you. Yes. All right, so here we go. Yep. It's, you know, we're we're going to we're going to get Michael J. Fox back to the future on this when things are going to get a little heavy. <laughs> so I'm just going to warn everybody up front, um, you know, I was I was writing some copy actually, oddly enough. Mm-hmm. And it's the topic of Memorial Day came up in the conversation for this particular piece of copy and I was like, "Hmm, I'm going to take it a different route, right? Because yes. we we talk about it a lot like, you know, it's the official kickoff for summer for most Americans mm-hmm. and something that I don't think gets addressed a lot is what it's what it really feels like for veterans and right. for folks who served and who went overseas to, to serve and who lost friends in that service. Right. And so that's where we're going to head today. Um, mm-hmm. But we're, we have a guest joining us today. We do. And our guest, man, you know, I'm going to read who he is. I'm right. going to, you know, plug in the highlight reel that I asked him for, but I, I'm going to, I'm going to go off the cuff towards the end. So just bear with me. But <laughs> our guest today is, is, one of my favorite humans on the planet, someone yes. who is, you know, he's a family friend and their family are friends of us. And yes. so uh, we've known each other for a hot minute, Brett mm-hmm. Blaylock, served with him in Fort Lewis. But just to give you an idea who this guy is, you know, qualify him up front because you people need that. Um, <laughs> Brett, he's, he's a retired major and you're going, oh, he retired as a major. That's because this cat enlisted first, right? right. He enlisted in 1999, uh, became a non-commissioned officer. Then he went to OCS. Mm-hmm. In you know, got his commission in 2004. Right. And so he started his officer career, you know, in 2004, made it to major. Um, he's a wizard. He's got a master's <laughs> in security studies and adult education. Wow. And so what, what's great is I know Brett at like a bro level. Right. And I'm like, oh, but you're also a genius, you know. Right, um, right. <laughs> super smart dude. He served, you know, he did five combat deployments. He mm-hmm. served with... Pretty much every cool guy unit on the planet, 101st, 10th Mountain, 2nd ID, where we met. Um, he rounded out his career in the SVAB. If you don't know what that is, Google it. I'm not going to go into it. <laughs> but they, they get a cooler beret, and, like, you know, they, they're advisors to foreign armies of how to do cool guy stuff that he right. knows how to do. Um, and he's just he's just an awesome human being, yes. you know? Yeah, huge heart. And, and I will say, when I met Brett... I was instantly like, love this dude. Yeah. You know? Yes. Um, because we, we connected on a, on a leadership level that what I saw in him was, you know, a leader I could, I could follow because yes. he led in a similar fashion to me. Mm-hmm. Um, he led by the rules, but he also led through caring, which right. is a, a big distinction a yes. lot of the time. And so, you know, having him on is, is an honor for me. And, you know, it's, it's just, it's fucking cool. Let's be yes, real. It's cool it because cool. there's a lot of love between us. Yeah. A lot of mutual respect. And there's a lot of insights that we've, yes. we've kind of forced gumped our way through to figure out that he's going to dive into his, uh, dive in deep with us today. So I'm super stoked to have him on the show. 
Um, but I did warn you, it's going to get a little heavy. So, right. But it's worth it. If if this is you, listen to the whole damn thing. If yeah. it's not you, send it to the one it is, please. Like, yeah. share this bad boy because someone you know, if it's not you, needs to hear this junk. So, without further uh Or any more do. On with the show. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Go and throttle up. All right, here we go. We are joined by one of my favorite humans on the planet. And I don't, I mean that shit. I love this human being. Uh, (laughs) My boy, Brett Blaylock is in the house. Like if you are a longtime listener of the show, you've probably heard me reference Brett. I don't know. 70 yeah. billion times. Right. I was going to say, how many episodes are there? Right. So multiply that. <laughs> so now the folks are getting to actually hear, like, he's not like Philip Glass from the Brady Bunch. He's a real person. <laughs> and uh, I haven't made him up to make myself look cool. Thanks for being on the show, brother. I really appreciate it. <laughs> welcome. welcome. Yeah, thank you all for, yeah. Thank you all for having me. Uh, and, and I appreciate trust. You know, that feeling's mutual, man. I, I I think you guys, both of you combined, are, are, are some of the best human beings I know as well. Eliza would echo that. Um, we talk about y'all often. Oh, uh, you got to so. take up quilting or something, man. Get a better hobby, but I appreciate it. It's one of those things, you know, like when you encounter a lot of human beings, especially the background that we're both from. And I, the only thing I left out of your intro beforehand is you can also divide by zero and swim through ice. But there's never been a couple that we met that we were like, oh, there are spirit animals. Like we, right. we instantly clicked with you guys because I think we saw the world through a similar lens and it's a little warped, but caring. So it's right. a good thing. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, and so when I was thinking about doing this show, man, obviously you were the first person I thought of and it was totally last minute. And of course, like the true brother you are, you were like, I'm there. So I, I super appreciate it. Um, but kind of what we're talking about today, because this has been a, a topic for you and I reoccurring since you know our respective retirements from the military and we just continue to see it in 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 social media and the spaces that we operate in because you know you leave service but you're never gone all the way right Right. And, and so memorial day while it is typically looked at as the official kickoff of summer and I would say conservatively, 97% of Americans look at it and like, oh, it's time to barbecue and be with the fam and like, let's get fired up. There is a small population, less than 1%, if you do actual math, um, that does not look at it that way and looks at it like it's almost a dreaded day for 12 months on the calendar. We're like, fuck, here it comes. Right. It's coming. And that's veterans who made it back from the show. Yeah. And so it's a weird thing because, you know, Jess and Liza, they both got to watch us experience this in real time. And it for yeah. them, they like, okay, it doesn't make total sense to them, but they get it. But to regular civilians, for, for them to hear us say things like, I regret being here, that shit doesn't compute for them. Nah. No, it doesn't. <laughs> and, you know, it's funny. And, you know, we've talked it. And without getting, I hate getting into the politics of things because it's just so divided i think and misunderstood but that's you know one of our big concerns uh as a military you know while we were in and then in retiring is what is our connection back to the american public uh that you know supports us when we go forward and stuff like that and i think that less than one percent you talk about travis 
you know, the, the more we recycle through the same families and stuff like that, the more of a kind of Sparta subculture we become. And this holiday, I think, really illuminates that disconnect between the American public and, and their soldier, sailor, airman, marine. Um, because we fear it. Like, and it ain't, it ain't just like the day of, it's like, oh, shit, you know, here's another Memorial Day. Right. Now, it starts, you know, like weeks ahead, you yeah. know, and, and you just kind of, it, it, it's this subconscious, sometimes conscious sometimes aura or, or whatever weight that come, you know, and it, it starts coming. And for me, I don't pay attention to the counter on that, but I start feeling the tension and the stress right. and then my behavior ch- changes. And I'm like, you know, what, what am I, what am I not doing? That's getting me back into this negative space or whatever. And I go, Oh, we're three weeks out. And yeah, exactly. You know, that's, <laughs> that's kind of how it is. So. And I think what's um, peculiar yeah. about it is whatever, whatever echelon you served in it, it has a nuanced difference, right? So I can speak for us, like we were both leaders in the military. And so we have the the same, like, we're going to have to have the the same thoughts as everybody else and remember our brothers and start questioning our existence. Like truly, like that's not being Right, right. that's not dramatic. Yeah. It is a, a fact. <laughs> but then what kind of overshadows that for us, particularly three, four weeks out, is that like you kind of start to catastrophize over like, fuck, like, okay, I got to be there for them. You know, like I got to make sure that, I'm visible that they know I'm here, that they can hit me up. Like, and so you start freaking out a month out for people that you haven't seen in years, just because you know, it's going to hit them the same way that they hit you. And that's a lot of pressure to put on yourself. I I, mean, you know, to, to think that you are the only beacon of light. And when your light is having a hard time shining because of how you're feeling, about the holiday too. And I, I can say like, I, you know, I pretty, pretty much know I can speak for him on this. We wouldn't have it any other way. Like I wouldn't want them to know that I'm the, I'm their fucking backbone, like trust yes. me, but it does deplete you. I mean, so by the time you get the two days past the event, you're like, you're just smoked. Yeah, man. Exhausted coming out of it. Right. And you know, like, oh man, it's just like, who's going to call. Right? right. You know, and I, and I have to put my, and I, you know, I'm, I'm proud. I should have both you all, but glad that you carry that torch too you know we have to to put ourselves out there and i've tried to figure that out like you know what drives someone to make that call versus what drives someone not to make that call you know and and some of the guilt and shame and 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 stuff that would prevent it and i i think it's important to to like just nip that in the bud straight out right like hey i have guilt shame too man and i have survivor's guilt too. Right. And as a leader, like, you know, I question it's easy, you know, to, to sit back and armchair quarterback ourselves outside of combat. Yeah. Um, and, and you know what I mean? The perception yeah, oh, yeah. of it changes and you, you go, well, I could have done this different or right. I could have. And, and at the end of the day, the decision's not coming back. Right. So, but I think for them, you know, it, it's, it's just normalizing, our trauma or our perception in, in that space leading into this and being like, Hey man, it, it's okay. Like, right. We're all going to be in hard space. Right. Don't let that, you know, like don't, yeah, yeah. don't suffer alone. Basically don't isolate, not call, um, you know, hit us up because we share similar experiences and we're having similar feelings. And I think part um, of it, man, what, what precludes guys from picking up the phone or sending that text is it kind of harkens back to something you brought up at the very top is 
that disconnect between service and civilian and that, you know, the perpetual Ricky Bobby, like I don't know what to do with my hands. And I was actually a several months ago having a conversation with someone else we served with together, Chris Raby. We were talking okay, about yeah. particular point and how like a lot of guys, particularly if they don't have like the family systems in place that you and I had coming out, like, you know, we were long established families with grown kids. And like, we, we kind of had like, we knew who we were outside the service, but we were intentional about that shit, you know, while we were right. still in, like you and I stayed very close to punk rock as best we could while we were still wearing the uniform. Uh, so <laughs> it's easy to transition back out to Brett and Travis without too much, you know, disconnect. But right. I think a lot of times guys who don't have that, you know, you're talking your, your senior specialist or even young lieutenants and whatnot after service, it's like they, they kind of become isolationist nations of their own and they kind of insulate. And so they don't really talk to folks and they lose that connection with their brothers and sisters in arms. And it's like, no one understands me. I can't call anybody. Right. No, I, I'd agree. And, and that's the, you know, a lot of the phone calls that I do get are from that dynamic young E5s that moved back home and, and the nearest VA is 150 miles away. Right. And they, you know, wind up young professionals that can't connect to their peers or, or, right. or their cohort groups or whatever, especially when something like Memorial day is going on. Right. And then there's the, you know, some of them, and I, I did this for a while, you know, I would almost get bitter uh, with the American public, you know, and it's that, that think trap that we do that's, you know, we go hear all these people and they're laughing and they're having a good time. Right. And it's all about the barbecue and they're telling me, thank you for my service, but I'm still walking around. Right. So we fundamentally misunderstand what Memorial day is, and I think, <laughs> you know, but we can be, I think it, if we're bridging that gap, we have to be, not only custodians of our service and of our fallen comrade service, um, but we almost have to be ambassadors of it and lead that message, you know, with like, without maybe the doom and gloom as much, but, you know, I, I tend to, to, to be pretty direct, you know, right. saying like, Hey man, like, you know, I, I'm glad y'all get to do this. And, you know, it's great to see Americans enjoying the day, you know, off and, and the lead into summer, but let's think about, you know, the sacrifices, um, right. you know, that got to this point as a nation. And I, I think, you know, I think we're losing that to a certain extent. Um, but you're, you're right. It's a, it's a difficult conversation to navigate a lot of times because you don't want to yeah. be, I mean, you don't want to be the downer. You don't want to be the one that's like, how dare you celebrate? You know, right. because I think, I think most Americans who, who celebrate the day are they may not even realize why they are, but they know it's because they have the freedom to do so. They don't maybe necessarily reflect on the loss that it took to get them there, but it's, it's also the same when it comes to just dealing with, you know, people in the workspace or civilian sector in general, it's like, how much do I share to seem normal, but not scare the shit out of you? <laughs> you know, for us, we're a typical Tuesday, you know, would, would blow their brain. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. And I've been in those, right. Where I, I, I can see, you know, uh, the, the message is being received and they're doing their best to, to accommodate. And then you can just see the facial expression change. Right. And I go, you know, crap, I shared, I shared too much or that maybe was, you know, I talked too blithely about death, you know, or, or the enemy and, 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 
you know, uh, I'm not going to say happiness in, in doing some of that, but at the time, uh, a source, you know, a, a, a sure sense of achievement. Right. Yeah. And I think that translate, that's a dangerous, you know, when it's like, you know, I don't regret anything I did over there and you've got this other person that just can't, you know, syntax error, code 404. And that's where, you know, it, that's where I think it, you're right, man. That's, it's a hard conversation to have. But, but I think I the more think, people that share their stories that are bold yeah. and honest, it breaks down that barrier. So maybe you're the first one that they've heard it from, but if there are other people who are bold enough to to just come out there and be honest and be like, this is a hard day. Here's why. Then with each story they hear, they start to put it together. So you may not be the, you know, breaking the mold for them, but you are paving the way for people to really appreciate where our country is, why we have the freedoms that we have and genuinely appreciate the people who have gone and done the things that you guys have had to go and do. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> it's hard. I said she's smarter than us. <laughs> no, yes. it's hard and it's scary. It's all right, it, bud. <laughs> I've watched you do it, yeah. you know, and it it is it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable sometimes to even be a witness in the conversation because you want to jump in and be like, no, 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 no. You're, you're taking this wrong, <laughs> you know, but but it has to happen. Right. There there is no other way to get there. And so well, go ahead. No, I was going to say, and, and I, I think taking risk, what I've kind of learned is even though I'm smoked after two days, this is, it is catharsis or therapeutic. Maybe I, I don't know. There's some goodness in, in sharing that story, even when it's hard um, yeah. and, and, and explaining that. And really, Travis, you talk about the, you know, the legacy of our, of our lost, you know, or, or fallen brothers and sisters, that's the legacy, right? And, you know, there's a saying in, you know, think tank, PTSD, trauma, you know, negative space or whatever, and, and, and what that does in your brain. But there's a saying that the only way past your pain is through it. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's sharing that story, I think, for us. That's sharing that legacy. It's not, you know, adding tannerite and gasoline to an, uh, an already ticking bomb um, <laughs> you know like that's just that results just not going to work out I, yeah. and i've done it we've all done it right yeah. it's going to wind up with rumination and then a lot of why me questions and not them questions and then guilt shame and remorse and all that comes into the lens and and so it's, know, it's it, funny it, man not funny aha but i you know funny as in similar like i'm gonna i'll kind of share my like aha moment with all this stuff. And I know you've got your own <clears throat> because for a long time, like, I think I wrote about this right after retirement, there was a, a blog post I wrote or something that a company had asked me to do it for them. And, you know, I, reflecting on Memorial day and whatnot, you know, everyone else has got their big Shibuya. Like it's, it's like 4th of July light for a lot of people, you know, for whatever reason. And I'm doing like some honest reflection on it. And I realized like in writing this, it for a long time was, it was legitimately like a day that we referred to as leave dad alone day. You know, like he's going to be, he's going to be in his little box of, you know, it's like the song down in a hole by Allison chains. Like that's where I'm going to be. Yeah. All, leave me the fuck alone. And just like you're saying, like, you know, we, we start to self-medicate with our old friend and that's, that's kind of where we stay and we stay stuck there. And I remember one Memorial day in particular, like, you know, we talk about no regrets and I think you and I would commiserate the idea that I don't regret anything I did. I regret the folks that I lost and 
you know, one of the first steps through that pain is realizing like we made the best possible decisions we could with the information we had, you know, in the moment. So that's the first step in accepting some of those losses. But I remember sitting there going, what the fuck am I doing, man? Like I'm, I'm a real asshole because I'm sitting here, you know, I've got a beautiful wife, I've got rock star kids and I'm sitting here in the garage drinking by myself, like a loser when these dudes would trade places in a heartbeat, right? Like I am sullying their memory by sitting here and squandering their sacrifice, being a jackass. And it was like, holy shit. Like I felt like (laughs) a real jerk for having wasted, you know, all these years ruminating and feeling worse and worse and having, you know, survivor's guilt. Like, why am I not just embracing the fact that I'm here, you know, and it's, that's a tough bridge to cross, but I'm sure you have a similar story. Like, what was it for you that finally clicked? You're like, dude, I'm doing this backwards. Yeah. So, (laughs) so I came, you know, you know, the deal, I came unglued, uh, up at at the combined arms center. I was on a, you know, a staff job. So non-deployable unit. I just want to say um, Brett and a staff job. That's, you could not describe bad fit better to me than that. (laughs) (laughs) I I made an all right staff officer. It was, you know, I I hated it. I hate riding the desk and and you know that I I like being at the tactical level below and I, I like to be, you know, just another rifleman on patrol if, if it's a platoon level mission. And, you know, I, I got in trouble with, with John uh, Dibble and, you know, Rich and Sundom specifically because I didn't want to stay on the FOB. I just right. want to be out. But, um, so I was at CAC and, you know, not, not a lot of stress, but I started working with people and I'd started writing, I, I think, a lot. And, and my, for whatever reason, my perception shifted i started armchair quarterbacking and went through a course at the command and general staff college that it was called ethical and moral decision making and even in that that small group one over 16 uh what i was finding was my experiences in combat were a lot different than others you know that were not infantrymen or armor or field artillery or you know assigned to a a tactical level group um Mm -hmm. So we started peeling that onion back some and, and, and you know, you, for me, I could always throw the robot on you know, right. and I could, you wouldn't know I was struggling, especially at work. And, uh, but on the weekends, man, I was, you know, it was leading up to, to, to Memorial day and, and I was drinking and, and on the back porch and it's, you know, it's kind of the, I think when you, when you start self-medicating, Mm-hmm. that makes it a very selfish lens like you you can't see past yourself to come to that conclusion that sounds kind of like man if the dude saw me doing this he would slap you know he'd slap me across the face and be like don't do this shit for me i don't yep. want you doing shit right so but anyhow long story short you know i, I came unglued and ultimately uh decided to go get help um at the 15 year mark and and it, I, I knew that could cost me my career. Um, but luckily I had a chain of command at CAC that, uh, that was very supportive. The G3 was a guy that was, you know, in a room with the S vest and lost his Sergeant major when he was a battalion commander and, you know, right there. So right. he was struggling yeah. with some, some of the same stuff too. So they, you know, I, I got in and, you know, I remember one of the first sessions with, uh, this guy that was a former Marine who wound up being my, my counselor was like, you know, he's like, let me guess, right? Like Memorial day, you bury yourself in a bottle and 
you know, get guilt, shame, ruminate, and all these other things, and that's how you celebrate your fallen brothers. And I was like, "Fuck yeah!" That's back that way, it doesn't sound very good, right? No, but I, you know, I kind of got, you know, fuck, fuck yeah, that's what we do. That's not what you all do. And he was like, "That's bullshit." And he called me right on the carpet, right there. He's like, "That's bullshit." If you really cared about your brother, you would call his folks and tell him what he meant to you, right? One. Memorial Day, you would call his brothers, you know, that, um, you know, birth brothers that, that came to the, to the ramp ceremony and to the, to remember it ceremony, you keep content. And I was like, golly, this dude's right. You know, like he, he's absolutely right. Um, and then when I left, you know, treatment and, and you know, alcohol was my methodology to self-medicate. Um, I, I kind of made a commitment to, to just not go there you know, for a while, yep. just to kind of see, right. Like at least do one Memorial day stone cold sober. Right. right. Yeah. And before I left, David looked at me and he goes out. I want you to remember when you tried out, think yourself, your best thinking got you here. Right. So maybe, yeah, that's good. Right. And that was hard. Like, was like yeah. Whoa. No, like my, all of my genius, all right. my coping mechanisms and all of the cultural norms that that the military does reference you know remembering brothers um that best thinking got me to 30 days inpatient treatment right and so pretty you know like that and you know risking my career potentially my family um but we uh you know Liza and i recovered from that um and, and i like to i don't know i use it as being on the other side and it's really just a I mean, you say it, it's just a perception shift or it, it's a, it's a, a deal that kind of says, you know, this isn't about wallowing in sorrow. They would never want me to do that. Right. This is about remembering legacy and why it's important and why their sacrifice is important. You used a great word earlier, Travis, when you said, I sully their sacrifice. And yeah. That's hard to hear for a lot of guys, right? Like, especially when they call me at two o'clock in the morning and, and they're just looking for someone to say, don't kill themselves. Right. And I'll say that, right. But then there's that follow-up call the next morning when they're hung over and then they get the hard talk that kind of sounds like what you said. Right. <laughs> and I think they, you know, they, they kind of have to have that hard talk. Definitely. Um, you know, to, to get, to get their perception to shift. And it's, it's uh, interesting when you, cause you say like they have to have that hard talk. And it's one of those things that any professional would advise us against that. Right. Anyone in the self-help industry, like the, the world that I now occupy, they'd be like, you can't talk to people like that. And I'm like, you don't understand these fucking savages. They don't, they don't understand, you know, Oh, it's going to be okay. Like you need, yeah. I There is a, a brief window in time where it's like, talk them off the ledge. And after that, it's like, look stupid. Like that's how we respond. You know, <laughs> we are used to someone snatching us by the back of our kit and going, Hey, dummy, you're going to get blown up. And so you're right. Like that has to happen. But I think one of the things that I've noticed, man, and I don't know if you've seen this in your, in your periphery and your zeitgeist, but like, it's a, a new term I've coined for us. Um, and it, I think it gets worse and worse and worse. The higher up in leadership you get, we are what I call psychological hypochondriacs. Yeah. Because we go to all the trainings of how to deal with Joe and having a hard time. And we, you know, I was a master resiliency trainer. And so I know all the mindset tips and all the stuff that Dr. Karen Ravage worked on, like, I can talk it inside and out. I can tell you how to hunt the good stuff and like until the cows come (laughs) home. Right. 
And it's just like going to paramedic school, right? Like I know trauma. And so if I see something hanging off of me, I'm like, it's fine. I'll just, you know, throw some, <laughs> throw a tritus and bandage on there. I'll be fine. It's the same with our mental health. Like I think a lot of times for guys like us and guys who served, we, we self-medicate, which is obviously the worst possible thing you can do. But then we, we look at it objectively a little bit, like you outthought yourself, right? We look at it from a intellectual perspective and go, oh, well, I know the mechanism. I know the trigger. And so I should be able to handle it. And then we, we jive that up with the civilian populace and realize like our problems aren't the same. Our worries aren't the same and it doesn't make any damn sense. Well, and I think the other thing is too, is that, you know, in the military, you don't have a lot of time for feelings, right? In the civilian world, they have time, you know, a lot of times to feel their feelings. And so they're working through things in, on some occasions. And when the no feelings meet the feelings, it's very hard to translate where we are, what you know how the conversation should go how can i help you know what what needs to happen so it's like i you know you you have to feel the feelings that is ultimately you, you know it's like brett's saying there's there's no way through you know no way to get around the pain you right. have to go through it you have to feel the feelings and there's nothing yeah. wrong with that your feelings aren't wrong yeah i know i agree jess and i think that is a very valid point because you know, and, and I agree, like we are, the term is psychologically, psychological hypochondriacs. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. We are. And, and so my fight, right. And, and, you know, there's some acceptance that has to come with this. Like I, I will never be the guy I was before Ramadi, right. Or, right. or, or you know, looking back, you could even argue before Anaconda. Like I, I fundamentally changed as a human being. I physiologically changed my thought process, the synapses, the whole thing right. with your brain. Um, so I, I can't get back to that person. And there's some, it's almost like burial or, you know, uh, you know, it's just it's a whole weird, grieving process. It is. And, and, and so the harder part to understand about that is it cyclical, right? Grief comes in cycles. Right. So if I'm not attuned to feelings, if I do in, in the, the hypochondriac pieces, here's where I'll go. I'll go, did I feel that? Is that real? Right. Is it, is it something I need to address now? Or is it something that can wait? My priorities right now look like this and I don't really have time to, to do any kind of self-care or, or whatever. So I don't think I feel it that bad. I really don't want to deal with it right now. Anyhow, so I'm just right. going to put this back here right while i'm in the cycle and before i know it you know i'm like a, a you know a, a launcher that's been unfolded you know and i have to do some really hard you know dealing with that emotion dealing with that feeling understanding that that's though for 20 plus years we we tuned that out because we had to right right, right? but now is not tuned it out time. like now is i need to be present with that and I need to kind of peel the onion back on some so that I can move forward and be the light or be the voice or be the, the shoulder or, or the phone call at the other end. Um, and and yeah, it, you know, I think one of the things it takes and I'll, I don't want to bash anything, but my show, so fuck it. Um, <laughs> so call it, man. <laughs> you and I can come in alignment on this. I'm sure. But I know Jess will echo this. The military does, it espouses one thing and delivers another on a particular instance. And that is mental health. And I'm not shit talking to anybody. I mean, we are a busy subset of the population. We've got missions that need to get done. I get it. But every post-deployment survey I ever filled out, I lied. 
I lied, 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 because I knew it didn't matter how much they harped on. There's no negative stigma. This won't hurt your career, but like bullshit. I know it will. I knew in my bones, if I went and sought mental health for anything, you know, scarlet letter forever. And so it's one of those weird things that we're conditioned by and large to, okay, I'm going to self identify. I'm going to deal with it. I'll deal with it later. And what happens when you do that is it, like you said, it mounts and mounts and mounts. And so instead of having like 30 seconds or 30 minutes to talk through some shit with somebody, you wind up having to check out for 30 days or even longer because you didn't deal with it in the moment. And it's difficult because we're not tuned into the notion of like, and I will, I will give you major credit for this, you know, and I feel like I tried to do it my very best during my time in services. We practice what we preached and it didn't matter what level of leadership we were at. Like if day one private was like, Hey, sorry, I need you. I'm like, Hey dude, I'll drop what the fuck I'm doing because you matter. And a lot of leaders weren't like that, but so it was easy for us to translate some of that stuff to ourselves, but we just had to find those allies that we knew we could trust and talk to, which, you know, we got spidey sense, like you wouldn't believe. So it's hard to trust, but you know, at, at what point did you like who, what, cause you know, you and I have bounced back and forth since we both got out. We both had our spouses who've known, I mean, hell we have a very similar story. We've been with our, our ladies for our entire adult lives. So they've seen us like from day one private all the way to retiring as a major, retiring as a first class. They know who we are. So it's easy <laughs> to have that conversation, even though it's difficult. But what was it like? Did you branch out or what would you say to those guys who were like that, you know, E5 or that young lieutenant who got out and they, they feel like they have no one to reach out to? Yeah, I, so I think. Uh, Timing, you know, timing and tribes and, and the luck of that. So when I came out of of treatment in 2015, um, there was an initiative running through the Combined Arms Center um, that General Rob Brown was a proponent for, and it was called the Human Dimension Concept. And, and part of Human Dimension was getting the most out of our soldiers' families and teams. So it was a holistic look at if we're going to continue to cycle guys and girls through war and in an era of persistent conflict, the backbone of that is the family, right? right? And so there was a, you know, kind of a narrative or an investment on not just engagement, but also resources. Um, I challenged Rob, uh, you know, at one point to look at the, to, to do another line of effort under that, that kilo or, or, or that main line of effort, a subline of effort, that talked about mental health and we gained some inroads there. So, you know, he and, and general Brooks and, um, you know, to a certain extent, uh, you know, um, golly brain fart. Don't you love TBI? <laughs> the, the, the joint chief right now, freaking, uh, the PSD form in 2003 and a half. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. So to a certain extent, those guys kind of, you know, they, they, they bought into that. Um, but what I realized when I came out of treatment was there was no one carrying this message, right? And so I kind of looked at, you know, I, I was at 15 in time and service at that point. I, I didn't, and I knew my lieutenant colonel board would fall after 20, you right. know, and, and we were trying to to manage that. And I kind of figured I wouldn't be a battalion commander, right? And CAC was a great duty station, but it was kind of disenfranchising from that standpoint. A lot of the guys on the staff were either waiting for a command or trying to get one more 
good OER to get command. And I was kind of, I was a junior major on staff and I had the biggest workload. And so I kind of said, fuck it, man. I, I kind of said, what's more important, you know, as a leader and what can I really challenge up and, and then shape down um, whether official or in the seams. And, and that, that's where it kind of went on my lens is like, I, I have to, I have to be prepared to lead this. And if it costs career, then we'll just, you know, do something else. You know? right. So that's where I think it started. But when it started that way, what I found was the more I talked about it, um, the more allies I made, you know, some that, that you, you would never know. And I also made some enemies, you know, guys that walk the walk, talk the talk. And then they'd be like, Hey man, you need to stop talking this, you know, and, and got into a whole big discussion. Um, you know, on vulnerability and how that word takes a negative connotation with soldiers and it's right. Damning, right? So it's like, it's not vulnerability, it, it's honesty. And there's some pretty big strength in that. And if we're not honest about that, this thing's going to manifest one time or another. And I could go, and I know, you know, like dudes that retired and within five years, they're, they're killing themselves right. because they just never dealt with this stuff. And transitions hard anyhow. So I think that's kind of where it started. And, you know, informally, we we kind of made commitments, um, you know, in Ibolic to, to look at the whole soldier concept that that got laced into, you know, when gender integration was happening, we kind of started looking at the soldier a little differently and and across the force. Um, and that's where the mental health piece started to really get some, some wheels, you know, some, some like, don't be scared to, to be honest, like right. don't be scared to ask for help. Um, and, uh, you know, we got really good results. I, I, I you know, I, I know for a fact that Ibolic, our suicide rates went down. Uh, we also got lucky timing, you know, so I did CAC and then, for my sins with gender integration specifically, I got sent down to Ibolic to on-ramp the first 19 women into infantry. Yes. Um, but uh, I, I, I was lucky because the chaplain there at the time was doing this whole spin on uh, suicide prevention, right? And it, it was not a suicide prevention narrative. It was a why choose life narrative. So he turned it on its head. Right. right. Yeah. And he, uh, he and I worked really, Chris uh, did most of the work, but, um, I supported it and it, you know, made its way up the core chaplain, chaplain's core channels. And now is kind of the book on what chaplains use to, to combat, um, you know, suicide and suicide ideations and, and counseling and stuff like that. And it's, it's just produced better results. So I don't know, Trevor, I think I, at some point I realized that this was more important to me than command. And right. Yeah. That's kind of where I went with it. And, and, you know, it's kind of why I got out to a certain extent too. Um, it wasn't, I, I felt like I could affect more in the veteran population than the actual active population. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I definitely agree. Like I I've seen that, you know, with just with the show, like I know that it's, it's reached more people that needed to hear it than I, I ever could have impacted. I, you know, let's call a spade a spade. Like there's a lot of bureaucracy that whether, whether it's the good idea fairies legit this time, or, you know, like you might have some real solid points, but it's not going to happen right now, killer, you know, and 
the reality is, man, like our, our time in service, we, we saw some pretty big swings, right? Because you and I joined within a couple of years of one another. And so we were both part of that, you know, expeditionary force up into Mosul and shit. And I can remember our squads then, man, like, cause we came in relieved 101st in Mosul. So I think we probably virtually high five before we ever even knew each other. Um, but it's like, it was a different squad then, you know what I mean? Like we knew each other to the cellular level. We could look at a brother and know if he was off. And I think over time, guys like you and I continued to inculcate that into how we did business. And we made sure that, you know, our subordinate leaders and then their soldiers understood, like, here's what you're looking for. Here's how you have to take care of each other. But I, I feel like over the time of our service, that paradigm shifted a little bit where it was less, we weren't as tight as we were. And maybe it was because we were just so busy, you know, it was a 20 year plus conflict. We had a little bit of shit going on, but <laughs> a few things to do, <laughs> um, but it, it got lost a little bit. And it, it's something that I've seen you cultivate post-service big time. And something that I've tried to do on my end as well is like, you said it when you started with your response, that tribe, you know, like we remember what it was like to have that, those five dudes that, you know, they, you may have fucked around and shared underwear. Like, let's be real. Like something happened. Yeah, and, so, um, and we know how important that is, particularly with mental health, because they would see you looking left to center and they would stick a twig up your nose and like, okay, Tuesday's fine now. Like they knew how to get to you. And you've started to cultivate that in the civilian sector, not just in your work, man, but like, you know, I know you've taken a hiatus for a little bit because life is important, but you were on social, like you were killing it, dude. You were, you're, and you know, I reached out to you a couple of times because I, I didn't want you to stop. Right. Because I could see what you were doing and I knew it was resonating with people. And it's like, how do we, how do we get people on that side of it to start building that part of the legacy where they start reaching back and bringing their brothers forward like you and I are trying to do rather than self-medicate, self-destruct. Yeah. So, and that was part of human dimension. And I had David working and, and we were trying to, to, you know, manage the active army military force contracts and third party vendorisms and, and stuff like that. And then, you know, it kind of died on the vine. And I, I think where I got really frustrated was, I don't know, I, I felt like being on social media and being active, and this has changed too, right? Like when we were coming up, you didn't take pictures of like, and you damn sure didn't put it on social media. And now you got, you know, thousands of TikToks a day, right? right. You know, PFC's <laughs> making fun of their first sergeant. I'm like, dude, your name tapes are showing stupid. <laughs> yeah, like, what the hell? Yeah, so, um, but I, you know, I, I got, I, I got frustrated because, like, you know, the bureaucracy, and, and, and I, I'm hoping it's changed in the two years that I've been gone. But really, that whole deal was solely dependent on your commander and how he or she felt, you know? And so after my little shindig where I was, you know, pretty confident about what I was selling on the street and, and, and what gains I was getting to the total force um, by telling warriors, you know, like, Hey, it's okay to fill all these things and to, right. to, to kind of be upset about it or sad about it, which, you know, manifests as anger. It's okay. I was seeing some pretty good games with people, right. You know, like, and dudes that were, you know, pretty tough guys and I was getting that support and then I would come across a commander that uh, literally at one point was like hey you know stop talking about this one I don't believe in PTSD 
So, yeah. and you go, like, yeah. how did you get to be a battalion commander, bro? Like, and I think I said that to him. Um, I was fortunate to be, you know, because I was an enlisted guy for so long. When I crossed over through OCS, I, I was usually older than right. my commanders. And, and most of the time more experienced because of my my deployments during uh, my enlisted and NCO Let, Let's time, be real, so. though. Like, you and I were two that definitely put the candor in tactful candor. So yeah. I can only imagine <laughs> when you're like, what did you become a tiger? But that's exactly got, what you should have been said. The longer I stayed around, the worse it got. But I, you know, towards the end there, and, and, and it's not the last unit I was in. It, I think it was a culmination of kind of my last seven years and, and, and coming unglued and then trying to piece it back. And, you know, the army throws meds at you and the meds don't work. And, right. you know, so it was some of that. But in my last unit was, was great. Um, but I kind of came to the conclusion that, um, you know, it's better served informally on the outside. Um, and I think to, to your point, like, and I'm not sure how much I did. I mean, we both did, I think we both tried our best to, to, to carry a message after that sounds like, Hey man, like you're a T at this section. Don't let that change right. once you leave, right? Like you are dynamic. You are much more capable than most of the human beings out there. And I see that in corporate America, you know, now um, we just come with a little more spunk, but we also are dangerous and we'll drop quick, right? right. Like we'll, especially if we're not around our tribe, especially if we're not having the narrative, especially if someone's not out there, you know, that's a beacon of light. But I, I think that based on, you know, the community I live in now and based on social media um, and, and, you know, the, the friends I follow and, and it seems like it's, there's, there's more of us out there speaking it. And I think like anything else, man, it's kind of a grassroots thing. Eventually a, a general will or an admiral or whatever, they'll hang their coat on this. And I hope it's sooner rather than later. Um, you know, because if, if you're looking at talent, I think we're losing talent in the military over this. And then I, I don't think we're realizing talent in civilian sector, corporate America, yeah, man. startups or whatever. You know, I just don't I, – I think there's – that disconnect we talked about is so great um, that a hiring manager doesn't know what a – you know, a, a sergeant first class right. actually come with, right? And then I don't know about you, brother, but when I wrote a resume, like all I knew was OER. So I'm like, you know, I'm basically stealing OER bullets and throwing them on resume bullets and, yep. and you know, trying to. But think so, about that, brother. Like, had we not had the experience of writing awards and NCOERs, we'd have been yeah. screwed when it came time to write a resume because you look at a resume for me, oh, that's just, it's the same thing. It's just quantifiable bullets. I can do that, right? Yeah. But for those guys who never got to that level, it's like I, they don't know how to, you know, open a yeah. checking account. Yeah, there's a lot of things that they don't know how to do. But I Absolutely. will say there is something really special about a military person. There is an intensity that you don't find in another human being on the planet, but that someone who has been in the military. And there is also on the 
complete flip side of that, a gentleness that you don't find in another soul because you have experienced both ends of extreme highs and extreme lows. And there is within you all, there is a way that it all blends together beautifully. And you do, each of you use it in a way that is unique to yourself. And I think the real thing that is so sad is that there are so many people that they don't realize that about themselves. And so I think by, by two, you know, really manly men saying it's okay. It's okay to feel, feel the feelings. It's okay. I, it just, I think that is the, that is the first key turn to unlocking a whole new life for some of these people that they just, they don't think that they can have. And, and to leave that legacy, which I think for some people is a really scary word. It's so big. It's so big. And I think when they see, you know, both of you in social media, they see you, you know, they listen to the podcast, they see you in person. There's like this something where the legacy gets smaller, but deeper because you go, oh, it's just the one person. All I have to do is help one person. And then it's like, that feels good. That gives me something to, to live for, to go after. And so I want to help somebody else. And, and pretty soon, you know, now you guys have touched, you know, potentially hundreds and thousands of people who are ready to be honest about how they feel and where they've been. And they open the doors for more people to do the same. So I just had to say that real quick. (laughs) Uh, I, I appreciate it. And I think, you know, Going back to military terms, I'll dovetail. I don't know why we said that so much in meetings. It's that or caveat. <laughs> well, so and we we for for twenty years, you know, I used to get so frustrated in meetings because they would use caveat wrong. Right. They would use right. caveat as an extension to a conversation, but a caveat is a warning. Yes. And I would get so frustrated with commanders. They're like, "Oh, caveat that," and I'm like, "We're going to warn somebody." Anyhow, sidebar. <laughs> what I think you said. Uh, woo, shiny things and TBI. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. <laughs> Um, what I think is important that you said just right there is they don't see that in themselves and I need them. We need them to see that in themselves before they, you know, ruminate or, or get guilt, shame, you know, go into their tank and get in the cave so far that they, they can't see the way out of the cave. Right. Um, you know, a lot of them, uh, a lot of the folks that I talk to, you know, it is not on the front end of where they're starting to regress, right? It, yeah. it is at the moment of like, you know, I'm sitting in my house and you're my last call. Right. This is the decision. What, point. What, you know, what am I doing? Uh, and it's at the decision point. And I think part of that is because of what you just said. They don't see value in self. Their time's gone, right? right. And not right. only is their time gone, but they lost brothers who lost their time earlier and they get this really negative space where they don't realize like, nah, man, we did this thing and it was great. Right. And we were warriors once. And, 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 but that doesn't, that doesn't stop when we're no longer running and gunning. It, it continues that warrior culture or ideology or whatever, uh, specifically to like, taking care of others and not leaving a man behind and, and some of these things that we would say to ourselves then it, it doesn't change to now. Um, 
a lot of it is information, you know, either information overload or misinformation when they get out, where do they turn, what resources, uh, let's call it what it is, right? The VA is a shit show. Yeah. Um, and, and it's gotten better, you know, we outsource some things and, but it's, it's almost, you know, for one appointment with a VA, I think I get somewhere around 12 texts, 12 phone calls and 12 pieces of snail mail. And it's just, you know, so, and they're trying, but sometimes that's overload and depending on where they go, there's just not the military backbone there. So that's, and that's another part, like you have to fight isolation by assimilating yourself, right. And, And not being scared to do that. So, and sharing the story, like, and I think a lot of it boils down to like what parts of the narrative do you internalize? Right. Mm -hmm. So like when I first retired, I I was a little lost in the sauce. Like who am I post-service? Because you know, you, we, we've talked about this in the show before, like you're wearing your resume on your chest. And so, you know, you walk into a room and there's instant credibility based off a few pieces of chest lettuce. And so you don't really have to worry too much about it. And so as much as you try and remain yourself during service, you do become, you know, definitely tied to the role at a certain point. Mm-hmm. And so it's one of those things like post-service having, having to figure out, okay, like it took me a while, even in this, like, you know, the doing this business, I was like, it, and when things started to be successful and I was like, holy shit, like I get to have a whole second life. That shit right. started to blow my mind. Like it was because for us, we think like, you know, we went and did the thing. We had the career that was the life. And then it, that's it. And so, you know, when we're only staring down the barrel of 40, early forties, we're like, well, what now? Right. And you got those younger yeah. cats who, who have even more life left ahead of them. And it's like, but I already did the thing now. What do I do? And I think it, it really boils down to like something I had to figure out really quickly. And I was able to do it is those are the things that qualify me, but they're not the things that quantify me. Yeah. So that's not the, the holistic Travis. That's not the holistic, but that's not all the moving pieces of me because I'm still dad. I'm still husband. I'm still whatever other thing. And then to remember, like, just you know, we talk about shitty days like Haifa Street or Ramadi or whatever it is. And you talked about the the series of emotions, like we'll hit all all the highs and the lows right. in a five minute period. Yeah. And so to remember, like, okay, like I'm a fucking badass, right? Like just, just own that for a moment. And and when we're in it, you have a lot of people telling you, like, oh, dude, you kick ass or way to go on, whatever. Like we we build each other up when we have those successes, but when you're away from it, you you can't figure out that you're that thing still. You're still that animal, you're still that creature that for you know for all the bad parts of it like you're still the guy that overdid it sunday night they saw you close down the bar and you still came in and pulled out a 280 pt test the next morning right like you're still that killer and so <laughs> apply that to what you're doing now like go after this second life yeah. this this thing that your brothers who didn't make it your sisters who didn't make it gave you they gifted you this whole second fucking life right. go after it as hard as you did all that other shit right and maybe i owe them that well, you know, like if you want to be guilty about something, it's sitting around not doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it just don't let the world tell you who you are. I think, you know, if you come from a family or you are in a community where maybe it's not supportive of the military, then it, it's even it's even heaped on more. And so, you you know, you got to you got to get yourself out of that spot. But don't no matter where you are, don't let the world tell you you tell the world who you are. You get to decide. And it's, it's, you know, ask yourself some questions too. Like, 
because you, you and I are, are ones that we like to give credit and we give credit to our mentors a lot in, in everything we do. Like I, I told on the last show, I said probably the last words I utter on the planet will have something to do with Buck James because he was just a fuck. He was my Hal Moore, man. He was a killer. And so because we're so good at giving that credit to our mentors, like you can also credit those folks who aren't here anymore for where you are right now. And then ask yourself, would they be proud of it? Is that why they gave their life so you could sit here and be a whiny bitch and drink yourself into oblivion? Or would you like to go kill and just destroy life and just be next level for them? And then you can go, yeah, it's because of Garcia that I'm fucking sitting here right now. Right. right. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's the legacy, right? right? Like that's maybe we don't owe them that. Um, I'm sure they wouldn't say that we owed them that. They would say we don't owe them a thing, right? Like, of course. But, but maybe that's how we live through our pain but the only reason on them to decide what they're owed it's on us right right like we're the only exactly. one who can decide that for them so how do i remember them on memorial day right like and, and how can i do that from a positive context while you know carrying the message so that they don't die to death that whole yeah theory of dying to death right yeah. and and then you know, for us, how do I get this on a podcast or in a book or something that's going to be in a knowledge management system, you know, 200 years from now when we're looking at these wars from whatever lens we're looking at them from. And, you know, Crutcher's book speaks about Garcia, you know, or Blaylock's book speaks about Dickinson or, or the numbers that we have, right? And who that person was. And if we don't do that, and I hate to put it in these terms, but if we don't do that positive path, right, then we're failing their expectations for sure. If they were around, they would tell us. Right. But we're also kind of failing ourselves, right? We are we are putting ourselves into another problem set that screams failure, that yep. screams selfishness, that screams not what we're about, you know, and I think – Sober mind, that's pretty easy to get around. It's, it's right. getting in front of the drunk mind, um, you know, to, to have that realization. But the only, I, th- I think y'all are right. The only way we have that realization is the narrative's got to stay. It, it, there's got to be people carrying it and it's got to get consistent and stuff like that. I, I'm hopeful uh, for the future and that. And I, I, I truly believe that we'll be able to you know, cover this gap and assimilate the industry and stuff like that. Like people want us. Yeah. And yeah. Our value. we, we yes. have to acknowledge there is a little systemic difference between what used to be and what is now. I mean, if you look back at post-World War II, mm-hmm. like that you had a entire generation of people come back from war and just take over industry. Right. And yeah. it was one of those things where, you know, Chip in the mailroom knew Bob who sits at the, the shiny desk every day and Bob sees chip. He's like, fuck that, man. We were in Norman together. Get your ass up here at the shiny desk. Like we were better stewards of ourselves post-service than I think we are now. And because of that industry respected us a little more than they do now. Um, I, I think there was more directly translatable because there was a draft. So they realized everyone had to go and it wasn't an all volunteer force, which I think changed the narrative a little bit. Um, some ways positive because we get to brag about that to the rest of the planet. But some ways negative because people have a connotation attached to people who decide to serve. But I think we're the only ones that can change that perspective. And it, it starts with that specialist who, you know, he was a team leader realizing like 
your level of responsibility is like middle management starting out playboy. Like you need to own that shit from you. The second you walk out the door, you're not, we, we always joke about it, right? Especially in the infantry. It's like, you're qualified to be a security guard or a mercenary, but that's yeah. not true. Right. It's simply not true. Right. <laughs> it's not <laughs> it, 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 translatable skills, right? Like you nailed it. Like you're responsible for three to four other human beings and their thousands families. and thousands of dollars worth of equipment. Hundred, yeah, right. And I remember somebody at one point. I was. <laughs> they asked me if I could make a schedule. Right? <laughs> like, oh, can I make a schedule? <laughs> Are you going to give me yeah. this? <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure I can. I can do that, you know. And it, even in my current life, you know, uh, I, I do pulp paper and, and container border box making, and you know, it's it's machines with capabilities. So it, we learned that. Right. You know, and right. everybody goes, how did you learn this so quick? And I go, well, when I was an infantry platoon leader, I had to know what an M1 Abrams did. Wait, you know, gas time, two and a half hours. I had to know what an Apache did, what Kiowa did, what a Blackhawk did, lift capabilities, looks, And, you know, you start nailing all this Flash stuff. And they're like, Pathfinder, brother, knock it off. I know, right? Like, <laughs> whoop, whoop, whoop. Um, uh, Liza and I still joke about that. She was my Pathfinder study partner. Right there. Yeah, so, right here. I yeah. still am traumatized by it also. Yeah, link, link <laughs> counts. And, oh, man. But, uh, Dude, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll share it right here because this speaks to what you're saying. So going into sling loads, written exam, I'm like, there's no way I'm ever going to remember this polyester <laughs> round sling chart. Like, Because I hadn't even been to aerosol. I had no idea what the fuck they were talking about. <laughs> That's right. And, and so <laughs> I'm freaked out because you need to know that chart verbatim to even take the test. And I, I knew I would forget it and I would be screwed. And that I took Pathfinder over a decade ago. Yeah. I'll never forget 410, 511, 26, 75, 81 for as long as I live. <laughs> red, red, yellow, green, blue, blue. Never going to forget it. Never forget it. Yeah. Right. You know, and it's, it's like, it's in there. <laughs> but, you know, so, and then learning systems, like, especially when we went digital, that's something else we do. Like, my right. first year here at this job, I took 90 classes online, everything from, you know, fire extinguisher safety, and I was that many years old when I realized that different fire extinguishers do different things. I always thought it was just, you know, a fire extinguisher, but anyhow, right. to mechanical drive, mechanical drive maintenance, you know, and so there's an appetite, and that's kind of what I sell in my current role with uh, the, the company I work for is like, hey, we're, we're missing a huge resource talent, you know, man, talent acquisition wise, if we're not at every, you know, post or whatever and and, right. and, and embedded in sfl tap and um you know embedded with uso pathfinders and, and some of that stuff so man you know it hurt my feelings when i realized that like corporate whiz bang gurus didn't understand how to do a damn pivot table i'm like are you kidding me you shit me right. exactly <laughs> or like simple leadership stuff where i, I just kind of get you know, I get in trouble, you know, because I haven't learned a whole lot more tact than I used to have. But I'll they actually pay you and you don't know how to do this. Like, right. how much do you <laughs> You've been here how long? Exactly. Exactly. So, but I, I'm not to disparage our corporate brothers. Like I, it, they come from a different cloth. They come from a different background. Um, in my experience with with this company specifically, uh, they are huge supporters of, of, of vets and hiring vets and really doing, you know, going above and beyond, um, 
had a chance to speak on PTSD uh, with this thing. It's, you know, it's our veteran engagement group, but it's like 7,000 across the company. Right. Um, but I got a chance to speak on it with a guy who was a 73 Easting commander. Right. So his trauma from Gulf War One and, and how he didn't come to that until 2016. So a year after I came to it wow. and and he did, you know, he got out as a captain and, and MBA. And now he's, you know, one of our big dogs at the, the corporate level, like he's on the executive board, I think. But right. uh, it's, you know, it's interesting to see the timing of it, you know, and and. And then realizing the value of it and how powerful that, uh, you know, if you can get out of your tank and you can, you know, stop looking down or, or self-medicating or whatever long enough to kind of look up and realize how much value that you actually have, like the things we've done, our capabilities to lead, our capabilities to endure hardships that would make most people just buckle, right? Right. right. And we're, we're, we will all we will always be that we will always be that, that lion in the room, whatever the room may be. Um, and there's power in that. And there's power in that realization. Like you're, I, I know I used to go around in my own head about, you know, I'm damaged goods, right. right. For, and this is my own shit, right. It's, it's the religious, you know, moral compass, uh, Judeo-Christian morals on my lens type thing. But what I did there and, you know, it just, it, after the fact, it gets hazy, but I used to really reinforce that negative self-speak of, you know, your damaged goods and you can't function in society because you're borderline, you know, batshit or, or whatever right. your thought, right. you know, your thought processes are so different than everybody else's and they probably always will be um, that you're just not, you don't have value. And that's a dangerous space to be yeah. one it's not the truth that's what we do to ourselves the reality is is like i'm beyond not to sound arrogant but we are we're kind of beyond what the average civilian in the united states is it's not that i don't think we're necessarily tougher or, or badasses more we're just a lot different and we've had to do things that most people won't do or won't be required to do that makes us powerful in the room, right? And if I can see that in self right. and, and, and realize that part of that power is that I've had to deal with extreme loss right. of, of, of brothers and I've had to be in those rooms or, or on that medevac or, you know, doing whatever we had to do, chest compressions or, or, or you know, throwing tourniquets and trying to clamp, you yeah. know, whatever it is. Right. Um, that horror that that is more or less commonplace to us like I, you know it's not what it would be for the average civilian and realizing that I think is uh, you know that if the key turn is dealing with our emotions realizing that value stream that we will always have right. is busted the door down yep. you know like that's full breach at that point so um, it's one of those things yeah. where, you know, I've, I've talked about it before on the show and I, I share this with clients all the time because the narrative you teach yourself, like Jess used to always tell me, even when we were in high school, man, she, like she would see me get 
down on myself about something. It could be something as stupid as missing a free throw, right? Like I would just self-destruct over as little as shit. <laughs> and she would always say like, play a different tape for yourself, you know? And so now it'd be like a different MP4 or whatever, but right. <laughs> we used to have these things called tapes. Right, you cassette tapes. Them. Yeah. I remember them, yeah. <laughs> Pencil, <laughs> exactly. Made the mixtape, you had to fast forward, yeah. I know all about yeah. 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 But, you know, the if you're telling yourself the narrative, I'm damaged goods, rather than I'm a refined machine, like that's a big difference, right? right. And you're going to start walking out and acting out the narrative you teach yourself and all that. It could be, you know, it's yes. the exact same talking points, but the, the perspective in which you're pitching them to yourself, they can either be the thing that drags you down or the thing that makes you punch through. And it's just taking the time to introspectively look like, okay, how am I talking to myself? Yeah. And then, you know, just to bring it back on point with who we're talking about here, like would your brothers or sisters you lost allow you to fucking talk to yourself that way? Like I, I can tell you know, we would pull each other's cars on shit like that real quick. If you, someone's like, oh, I suck. Like, shut up. No, you don't. Knock it off. Because I can't have you in the fight that way. I can't have you going from room to room with me thinking you suck. I need you thinking you're the most bulletproof, badass person on the planet. And so if we would do that for, if, we, if they would say that, if they were still here, damn it, then just right. pretend they're telling you right now and quit letting it drag you down. Yeah, absolutely. And I would go, you know, I, I, I would, I would breach, I, I would say the, the the perspective shift that we all need to have when we're in the tank is exactly that. But it, it it's also, you know, when we say like, you know, everyone that's fallen is always better than us. Right. Right. Like that. Why them and not me? They were such and that's not true. Right. They were humans just like us. They had their own shit. Right. They had their own positives and stuff like that. But we see it with these gray, you know, not rose color because it's not happy. It's these gray colored lenses where uh, we don't focus on why they served, right? Like, right. so we all knew what we were getting into. We all knew the risk. And hey, that's not on a daily basis. You leave the wire, yeah. you resign yourself to the idea you're going to die. You just get comfortable yeah. with that. Yeah. And so you're almost surprised when you come home. Yeah, absolutely. And that, so that's a whole nother. That's a whole other podcast, right? On on that that accepting my morality, yeah, as a means to can to be effective, right? And I think right. we've all been there. Like I'm, all right, fuck it. This is where I die, and yep. just what it is. And then we move out, and and we become much more capable in combat once we've come to that realization. But I think on Memorial Day, it's kind of the realization that sounds like, hey, man, that. Even though they fell, we had good times and they were fully capable and they knew the risk and I knew the risk. And it's not that it's not fair. It's just what it is. Right. And I have to accept that and and then move forward, you know, with maybe cleared lenses, not gray or rose colored. That just sounds like, you know, I, I was lucky to have spent some time with these brilliant, you know, capable people that just had their time cut short because that's war, you know, like, and and I think we, we are hesitant to do that because we don't want to apply like one of the most powerful tools in acceptance. And that's pragmatic acceptance. Like, you know, the, the verbiage we always use in the military was it is what it is. And that was a blanket term for anything that was shitty. Right. But then you get out and it's like, you say it, but you don't believe it the way you did then. Right. Because You don't have that next thing to go on to. So yeah, yeah I'm, I'm totally in agreement with that. Like there, there has to come a point and you, cause you don't want to, 
you don't want to say anything negative about those who've fallen, but yeah. like you want, you need to be real. Like, right. were they the best person on the planet? Probably not, but <laughs> we love them and they paid the right. ultimate price. And so we remember them for that, but it, you know, it's, it's the elevation and it sucks. I'll, I'll be the one to say it. So, you know, I'll, I'll take the hate on this one. It's fine. We elevate folks to a level of like, you know, reverence that may, maybe we shouldn't. So I, I would, I would agree. Maybe not. So I think you're right. And there's danger in, in making them untouchable right. as a means to making ourselves feel less than. I think, I think we right. crossed the line into martyrdom at a certain point. Almost right. And, right. And, but I think the, the flip switch dynamic there is to, yeah, continue to, to hold them in reverence, but on the positive things that they were, you know, right. like not, and maybe reverence isn't the right word. And I don't want to say glorify because that's also dangerous, but hey, let's hold them in high esteem because they gave their life for this country. Exactly. And, exactly. Be you, right? and that that's fine. But let's not. Yeah, it, let's, let's not, not turn them into something unattainable that we then feel shitty about not having died ourselves. Right. Right. Not and bad. I think that's the, the yeah. trigger for it is like they're this unattainable demigod status because they you know, I, my oldest child was born after I thought I would already be dead. So surprise. Like, <laughs> and, and so they hit this status in our brains like, well, you know, I'm not doing anything worthwhile now. And the only way I could ever achieve that, because, you know, how, how I hate to say it this way, but how easy would it have been to leave a legacy if you got smoked overseas? Like, oh, they'll talk about you for generations because yeah. grandpa, whoever. Right, right. It feels that way. So it feels that way. The the challenge that I would say, and I, I want you to have the last word, brother, because I know you're going to have something amazing, no pressure, uh, <laughs> but, and, and I, I want you to chime in too. So I'll yeah, get my, I've got one more. I have one more thing I have to say. <laughs> so I'll drop my challenge to people listening. Then I'll let you steal the show and I'll let Brett close it. Yes, please. Um, my challenge is this, like, if you're, if you're in that spot where you think you don't have anything to live for, it's because you're not looking in the right places. And I, what I want you to do this Memorial Day is do a little inventory of what you really are and not the bullshit narrative you've been selling yourself since you got out or since you lost whoever. And then my real challenge is this. You've got 12 months to get it fucking right. You've got 12 months to report back and go, man, I blew out of the fucking water. I changed everything because I know the only way I'm ever going to attain the legacy they reached in that brief moment where their life was lost in service to this country is by carrying on and doing big shit with what I've got left. So that's my challenge. The next 12 months, run hard. Like, really put into practice all the things we used to believe and espouse. Go do that for real. And then let's see where you are. Yes. All right. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) I think um, my thing would be that each person, regardless of where they've been, not been, you deserve to have peace. You you are worthy of being in a calm space in your head and in your heart and being able to acknowledge the fact that some things are really hard and it really hurts and it's really sad, but to be able to come to the other side of it and say, you know, I, I want to leave a legacy. I want to, to do my best. I, I have things I want to accomplish and that's okay. That's my, (laughs) I love both of them. And, and I guess I'll close my, my challenge is echo both of y'all, right? The, those are things that we, I want 
you know you the viewers listeners to do uh, just as a means of a path to positive mental health and, and reward for your service like there's you shouldn't feel guilty for your service right. regardless of who we who we've lost but but I would also say my challenge is I, I need you on the team we we need you on the team we need people carrying this narrative so that we can actually do something about the 22 a day, which that statistic's so old, it's actually worse. Right. Um, you know, and and just because we're no longer wearing a uniform or, or running and gunning doesn't mean we're not on team. It doesn't mean we don't have similar backgrounds. We do, right? And, and we need to share those. So with this 12 months, like, yeah, man. Travis has me on social media. I'd love to get a note that's like, hey, here, here's my Facebook page and what I'm talking and I'm, I'm going to go follow it. Or here's my podcast, um, you know, and what I'm talking to help my brothers and sisters who struggle with PTSD, who struggle with combat remorse, who struggle with suicide, depression and, and everything else that comes with that, that deal. Here's what I'm doing to help them. Um, and, and I think that's, you know, at least that gets us some irreversible momentum, Tom Byrle, um, to move forward, you know? So I, guys, I appreciate you having me on. I'm not sure that was as, as wow as, as you wanted, Travis, but, uh, wonderful. yeah, I, yeah. I'm just glad to be here and glad to support you guys and, and, and glad to support all of our brothers and sisters out there struggling to this moment. Yeah. Well, dude, I, I mean, stay up. I love you. I appreciate you coming on. And then I'll just hit it real quick, even though I know it's at the top of the show, like, if, if you know me or you know, Brett, you know that we reach out. Damn it. Don't be, right. don't be that fucking guy or gal, yeah. just reach out. And then if you feel like you have no one else, like it is a sponsor for the show and I'm not plugging them because of that. I'm plugging it because it's true. Right. Betterhelp.com. You can use our promo code and you can get it, you know, right. 20% off. If you just, if you feel like you've got no one else and here's the deal, like I'll fucking dime them out. It's going to take four weeks to get in the VA. Get a hold of somebody like yeah. right now, right fucking now. If you're in that space, get a hold of somebody right now yep. and and start affecting change in your own life so you can leave a legacy that's going to crush, you know, generational curses, going to crush all the self-limiting beliefs you've got. Like leave a legacy behind that your brothers and sisters who gave their life would be proud of. Yes, cool. absolutely. All right, brother. Thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, yeah say, man. say your thing. Love again. y'all. Say, say stay up. Stay up. I love that's it. That's the thing. Stay up. All right, brother. <laughs> Nice to be in orbit.